John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Amen? In the beginning. Now listen to me very carefully. Any situation, problem, whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life, relationship, finances, health, anything, I want you to understand and think, think, think clearly. Your victory, your overcoming, your seeing that situation line up with the Word of God and the will of God begins with the Word. Got it? So, I'm having a problem in my relationship with so-and-so, whoever it might be. Family member, children, mother-in-law. Your problem becomes resolved and the power of God is released into that situation beginning with the Word. Everybody say, it all begins with the Word. Okay? So now you make a decision, whosoever will, that I am not going to attempt to resolve any problem. If my problem is lack, I'm not going to attempt to resolve that problem with any idea of my own. Oh, I know what I'll do. No, you don't. I'm going to resolve the problem because I'm going to go to the Word first. My problem becomes resolved because I go to the Word first. In the beginning. Everybody say, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. So if I'm going to begin to see anything changed or solved in my life, it's going to start with the Word. Because it's the Word of God that has the power. And I need power. This is about power. Power over the power of the enemy. Power over sickness and disease. Power over the storm. Isn't it? You see that? Now, if I refuse to have the Word of God be the beginning, then Jesus is not Lord. What's our vision here? Building a body of related believers, honoring what? Who? What? Jesus as Lord. So we're a local fellowship where we honor Jesus as Lord, so we go to Him first. Well, you understand, I've got to make an appointment with a lawyer, and I've got to go see them. I've got to go see the doctor, and I've got to find out from the doctor what the deal is. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to a lawyer, and I'm not saying you shouldn't go to a doctor. God tell you to? And I've had occasions... In situations where they would call me, and it was obvious, go to the doctor now. God will always meet us 
at the level of our faith. How, how do you know that? As you believe, so it be done to you. No condemnation, no guilt. Why? Don't take your eyes off the goal. What's the goal? Be healed. What's the goal? Be prosperous. <laughs> Enemy likes to use that to take us off, distract us from the goal over stuff that don't matter. Does it really matter how? No. What matters is it is. Amen. So what's the first thing I do when I'm in a situation, any trial, any tribulation, anything along that line that you're involved in, okay, you need wisdom. It's a wisdom problem. When you fall into various trials, you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally and without reproach. He's not saying, now what would you do to get in this? You made your bed sly in it. God never tell you that. Ever. Well, God told me, no, no, that, that, that's an angel of the, uh, that's a devil masquerading. Why? Because God will never violate his word. He gives liberally and without reproach. Reproach means putting shame on. Reproach is designed to break your heart. And God's not out to break anybody's heart. Out to heal them. You say, well, I don't know. I, I think other than that. Hey, the Word of God's got you cornered if you'll go for it. If that were the case, he would be divided against himself and the kingdom would fall. Didn't Jesus teach that? Well, how did you get from that kingdom divided over here to say this? Spirit of wisdom. Applying that to this. I saw a movie last night on TBN about, well, yesterday afternoon. And it was about a Christian high school. Guy takes over the team. They hadn't won a season, had, didn't have a winning season in 10 years and so forth. And he goes in there and he begins to coach them, but he begins to share the word with them. And God causes a awakening to happen at the high school through a couple of other teachers in there where they're having evangelistic meetings on the lawn in front of the high school and kids are getting saved and stuff, kids on the team. Well, anyway, he has this little guy who's his kicker, kick field goals. Everybody knows what a field goal is. And he can't get it through the uprights. This is an extra point field goal, which is like 13 yards. It's on the three-yard line plus the 10 yards, 13 yards. He's hitting it wide right, wide left, all that. And they need him. These are extra points. So the assistant coach says to him, now, he said, now you listen to me. 
the scripture says, wide is the road to destruction. Narrow is the road to victory. You got to get it in the uprights, the narrow way. Take the narrow way. Anybody, your mother can hit it wide, right, wide, left, all that. So the assistant and the head coach, they're listening to him. The assistant coach says, I've never heard it quite like that, but it'll work. And so the story goes at the end of the game, he kicks a 50-yard uh, field goal to win the state championship over the high school whose name was the Giants. See, you never know about the wisdom of God and how you can apply the word of God. <laughs> See, and the young one boy's shaking something. It had to be sown in him, didn't it? Wasn't quite good enough for the coaches to be over there praying enough, make the kid a kicker, make him a kicker, make him a kicker. As much as it was the assistant coach having the wisdom, okay? What was that? It was the wisdom that he took this passage of Scripture and applied it to field goals. And when I was coaching basketball for the boys, we had some really good seasons. We traveled around the country to big tournaments. Everything I taught them was from Scripture. Some of them didn't even know it. I've had some of those boys contacting me 10, 12 years later, and I also coached Sarah, the girls' team, and a couple of those girls contact me 10, 12 years later and say, because they'd gotten saved in the interim, and they understood and they realized. I realize now what you were trying to teach us. Seed was sown. There's always a harvest. Say this with me. When I sow seed, it never goes to waste. There's always a harvest. Amen. Now, I don't want you to say this. I want you to listen to me. But you got to sow the seed. Who's in charge of the seed sowing? God? No, we are. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? It all begins with the Word of God. Whatever my situation, whatever I'm dealing with, whatever comes up, the beginning is the Word. You begin with the Word. What do I do? I begin with the Word. Now, you'll be surprised how many of God's children and babies don't know that. So, well, that's way too simple. No, uh-uh. No. They'll never know it unless they're taught. Even after Jesus cleaned the temple out, the money changers with a whip, it says he set up the meeting and he taught them. What do you think he was teaching them? But what he just did. My house shall be called a house of prayer. 
teaching them on prayer. It's amazing how teachable we get when Jesus comes in and cleans something out of us. Glory to God. You see, let's go ahead and get this big error out of you so that you can hear. Now, Genesis chapter 1, we won't turn to it. You know it. It says, in the beginning, God created. Verse 4 says, God spoke. God spoke. What did he speak? The word. Now, here's what I want you to get this morning. Word and the person is one. Always. You and I, okay, our character, our reputation, are everything that people perceive of us is based on our word. Every single person you'll ever come across, including your children, their attitude toward us is all based on our word to them. Do you think God knows this? Sure he knows this. And the word was God. But who's the word? Jesus. But he's a separate person. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now watch this. We only trust a word to the degree that we know the person. Can you see why God said, first thing, above all things, you need to know me. To the degree that you know God is to the degree that you trust him. Can you see that? So if the devil's slandering God all the time, which he does to us, He's not in a place where he dare go to God face to face at this point because he has no authority to go there. He was there on Adam's authority and Job. That's gone. So the only thing he can do to get back at God is to lie to us about him. Do you think he does that? Well, Pastor, can you answer to me? You know, my nine-year-old child died. And died. Why did God take them? Why, why did God? See, could they stand the answer? Can you stand the truth? God didn't take that child. You let it happen. Me? How could that be? Our number one flaw as human beings 
is the failure to take responsibility for everything that goes on in our life. What, what, that's the first thing Adam did, didn't he? Instead of standing up, saying, Lord, I blew it. Forgive me. He refused to fess up to God like God didn't know. You know, I listened to my wife, and I really shouldn't have listened to her. And, I, you know, and after all, I love her so much and all this, and maybe I don't love you enough, and blah, 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 whatever way that it had to be. None of that came out, did it? What came out? The wife you gave me. <laughs> and don't blame Adam only. That's a weakness of all mankind. And so it's difficult sometimes for us to admit and say, you know, this, this, this would not happen if I just took authority. In the name of Jesus. Like the Lord says to do. We don't understand. I don't believe any of that kind of stuff. Well, that's on you, brother. Because I have in the beginning the word. And the word clearly says, you use the name of Jesus over anything that's named in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And it must bow. What's their problem? And here it is. They listen to something, but they don't go back to the beginning to find out. Can you see that? They just take it as face value. But what is it they haven't done? They've got a situation they're dealing with, and they haven't gone back to the beginning. The work. Now we're going to close with this for this time by going to second. Timothy 3. Everybody take a look at this. What's God doing with us? All of you are mature enough to be prepared. That he's preparing us for the harvest. The biggest harvest ever in the history of the world is there. And it's ours. And he's taking everyone and he's telling them, I want you to come in. I want you to get prepared because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you function greatly in the bringing in and the carrying of this harvest. The great move of the Spirit of God in the 70s and 80s was only to get us ready for now. Amen. And I'm telling you over the last six years, I can't tell you the number of people that are from that that God has brought our way, and some listen, some don't. Some respond, some don't. But no one will ever stand before God with an excuse. Amen. God's saying, come on in. Listen to what I'm telling you so I can just fill you with joy. And you be so strong, nothing can overcome you.
What's the greatest joy in the life of anyone? Fruit. One of the most common prayer requests that we receive over years is a young couple who's trying to get pregnant. Pray for us that we have a baby. Why? I've been in the hospital when the baby's there. No one's sad. Do you know every baby that I've been around going there, their hair was perfect. Perfect. To the ones who were looking at them. Because that baby's ours. If they didn't have any hair, it was, oh, look, they didn't have any hair yet. It wasn't, why don't you have hair? Do you think God knows this? Huh? He's saying, look, I want your joy to be full. It's fruit time. Hello? It's fruit time. Out of your life, fruit. Fruit for the kingdom. I've never had anybody come back to me and said, you know, I prayed with somebody to receive Jesus. Come back and go, you know what? I prayed with somebody to receive Jesus and I was so depressed. (laughs) Quite the opposite, amen? And not only that, listen, I'm telling you not to to go buy your feelings when they're bad feelings. When they're good, grab them. I've never seen anyone come who's led somebody to the Lord not feel good. And I've told them, hang on to that feeling. If you want some more of that, witness some more. See? Lord never said we didn't have any feelings. He says I want it to be good. But unfortunately, man perfects bad feelings more than good. And then they go by them. Amen. It's not a mortal sin to say, I felt so good. I remember I had like a $25,000 need. It was around 2005 or so. Three weeks later, I'm holding a check for $38,000. Which, by the way was 13000 more than I needed. I want you to know, when I deposited that in the bank, I felt really good. <laughs> I said to Priscilla, do you want to feel really good? She goes, yeah, I like to feel really good. Look at this check. You know what? She felt really good. <laughs> Amen? Now look at 2 Timothy, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. What does perilous mean? Harsh, savage, difficult, dangerous, painful, fierce, grievous, hard to deal with. The word describes a society that's barren of virtue, but abounds with vices. Do you think we're in perilous times now? Huh? You cannot turn on the news without hearing about something done that we've never heard before. Who ever heard of beheading anyone just because they were trying to help somebody? 
Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Are we in the last days? Oh, yeah. We're in the last days. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slander, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despising of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Whoa. Hold it a minute. Could that be talking about possibly Christians? Certainly the people in the world wouldn't be lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. (laughs) Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. Exclamation point. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. For the gospel is what? The power of God unto salvation. Having a form of godliness, but denying the gospel. That Jesus died and did it all for us. He paid all of the price for sin. There's no sacrifice you or I could ever make that would pay for any sin. So let me exhort you this morning. If that's happening to you, stop it. Don't go there. Where do I go then? I go to the beginning. The Word. Don't I? Don't I? I go to the Word. Let me submit this to you for your consideration. It's not a law. You're not earning any brownie points. It doesn't make you any more acceptable to God. You're not earning his grace. However, wisdom dictates for you, for your well-being, so that there's power in your life. In the beginning of your day, go to the Word. In the beginning of your day. You understand, my day begins at 8, started an hour earlier. Can I give you a practical thing? Go to bed an hour earlier. You get up an hour earlier. In the beginning of your day, go to the Word. Well, you don't understand, Pastor John. I know this. It's not good enough to know it, is it? You can know it for the next 20 years, but it's not going to be any benefit to you until what? Till you begin the day in the Word. Hello? Are you with me here? 
so that you will be thoroughly furnished for every good work. So that you'll be thoroughly furnished for every fruitful work. And guess what comes? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Wow! Look at that baby. I guarantee you, Javier was one of the happiest guys on earth when he saw Junior. Even Javier would be busting. <laughs> Why? Fruit. Church, we got to harvest it. It's there. It's there. But it's going to begin because you're going to begin at the beginning every day in the Word. Chapter a day. Just chapter a day. Now you're going to read it over in three minutes and say, there I'm done. I forbid you to use it as an assignment. It's a meal. I used to tell the boys when they were gobbling so they can get into the next serving in the middle of the table, say, boys, slow down. You cannot enjoy that. And Joe said one day, I enjoyed beating Dave to that last piece. (laughs) Where do you get your enjoyment from? More than one time, both forks hit that thing. Bam! But how much admonition is there toward us when we're eating food? Don't eat so fast. Why? You won't enjoy it. They don't know that yet. Junior, he gets that milk, man. He just gets it fast as he can get it because all he knows I want. You go to that chapter and you enjoy it. That's what you're there for. Talk to me, Lord. Show me. Nourish me. Why? Because the power is in the word when it's sown in your heart, it's released. You can't get the power from anywhere else. Why? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The word of God. When they have a form of godliness and they're denying the power thereof, what are they denying? The word of God. We've got churches all over the place throwing the Bible out. What are they settling for? Powerlessness. Are are you hearing me? We're going on a journey. I'd like for all of you to come along. But that's a whosoever will. Don't you dare leave here and say, I have to do a chapter a day. You know better than that. There's nothing in the kingdom of God that says, I have to. The kingdom of God is full of I want to. That's the grace of God. How can I tell if it's the grace of God? or You want to. The grace of God is I want to. So what do I do then? You go to the throne of grace and do what? You obtain grace in time of need. Father, 
Give me the grace to be in there a chapter a day. Bam. It's easy. Why? Because the moment you ask for the grace you believe you receive, you have it. Why is it so important for grace to be understood? Because, yes, without it we go nowhere. But more than that, understanding that whatever it is that I decide I want to accomplish, I need to go get the grace and appropriate it, not give it my best shot. I used to hate it when I would sit there. I'm two, three years old, and Lord, I'm learning about grace. And you got to try harder. you got to do your best. After all, God won't help you till you do your best. I say, man, my best is pitiful. There's no best. I'm coming out of a professional gambling background. I have no skill at all to do anything else. Sold everything, sold everything. You gotta do your best. I wanted to get up and slap him upside the head. Don't you know, young fella? I wanted to stand up and scream, your best ain't good enough. And it don't get God's attention how hard you're trying. Even I knew that. And I was like three years. What does get God's attention? You believe him. You say, well, I don't know how that works. Let me tell you something. I was overjoyed when my children believed me. I was sad when they didn't. Still loved them. Why? Because I knew if they believed me, it would go well for them. I knew if they didn't believe me, it would go bad for them. Like when they were four years old and two, and I told them, do not touch the stove, even though it's on off. It's still hot. Joe put his hands in his pocket, and Dave went, praying for him to be healed. Why? Joe believed me. Dave didn't. See, it's not that difficult to understand where God's coming from. Why is he pleased when we believe him? Because it goes better for us. We stay out of trouble. Now, here we are having to pray for Dave's healing and everything else when it really didn't have to happen if he just took my word for it. Wet paint. I'm going to let you go with this. That is what causes the problem. In my life, I've never thought about touching a wall to see if the paint was wet or dry until I saw the sign. And there's that thing in me that wants to go over there to see if that sign's telling the truth. That's how the law works. The moment you set that law up, your ability not to do it is coming out. Do not set up a chapter a day as a law. Don't even do it until you know you have the grace. Don't even try it. And then some get in another trap. I'll do two chapters tomorrow. Now you're sacrificing for the sin. (laughs) And guess what happens? It gets worse. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for all that you've done. And Lord, we believe you.
that you're building us into a body of related believers honoring Jesus as Lord. And you're building us so that you can demonstrate your power and the power of the Holy Spirit to all those around, that it might bring you glory. Now, thank you, Lord, that you're equipping us for the great harvest. We see the harvest. And, Lord, we just know that as you bring us step by step, we're coming to that place where our joy will be made full because we will bring in the great harvest, care for the baby saints, care for the children saints, and bring them to full grown. That Lord, as Paul the Apostle said, the greatest gift that he could give you was the gift of the Gentiles full grown. Lord, the greatest gift we can give you is the Gentiles of our generation fully grown. In the name of Jesus, amen.